This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, new edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is back. My name is Brian Robb, joined by Ryan Bernardoni at DangerCart on Twitter. This Winning Plays Podcast episode is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. You can go to fanduel.com slash Boston, claim your $200 bonus right now. And Ryan, it was uh, it was a hairy couple weeks here, but is 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 it is it the championship back on now? It's a three game winning streak. Uh, maybe the most dominant play since the the first two months of the year. What where where where's your buy in level right now in terms of uh, this uh, week turnaround here? Yeah, it's uh, since the since the really bad loss to to Houston, they've righted the ship and and turned things around. And obviously, there's the the one loss to Utah in there that's isn't the end of the world. Um, it's it all starts and ends with health and who's available. I think at this point, we've talked before about how important Rob is, obviously, and how he's his just consistent absence throughout the season makes it difficult to get a read on certain things. And I don't think it's a coincidence. I mean, there's a couple different things in here. One is that they aren't they haven't been playing like the hardest competition in these last couple of games, but also Rob coming back. Uh, Jalen's continued really really good play. Uh, even missing Jason yesterday. So there's a lot of, a lot of things going on there. Um, but it all is positive and moving in the right direction again. And the 76ers are losing and the Bucks have lost some games. And, um, you know, the, the one seed may be back in play here. So everything is, is looking good uh, as we move ever closer to um, to a kind of, I'm not going to say a make or break playoffs when your your stars are, are as young as Jalen and Jason are, but a, a playoffs with a lot of, certainly potential here with no dominant team sitting out there um, to, to scare everybody off. Well, we haven't talked since the Jalen stuff came out last week, which I don't think was, we're not going to, there's no need to get too much into it because I don't think anything he said there was a, a super surprise as far as his future with the team. Um, but one thing that is looming large right now clearly is the all NBA um, possibility for him. Um, it's funny, I was joking, I don't know if I'm joking about this anymore, but I think I was talking to Forsberg last week and I said, it's a 100% chance now that uh, Rob Williams is not going back in the starting five for the, at least the rest of the regular season to double down on the fact that Jalen Brown is a forward, not a guard, um, when it comes to All-NBA voting. Uh, he's putting together a hell of a case right now. Right? I mean, he was, I think, in a pretty good spot to begin with um, in this spot with from a standpoint of a lot of top contenders at Ford, whether it's Durant, LeBron, have been out long enough now. You're like, mm, probably not going to make it as far as games played now. And and Jalen is even, you know, during the team's woes after the All-Star break has been as consistent as they come right now and is putting up, I don't know, like he 16 of 19 from two-point range against the Spurs. That, that was just like uh, a man among boys for that whole game. Yeah, he was running guys over um, on some, some of those drives. And it just, yeah, he looked by far the best player on, on the court. Uh, it helps whenever, you know, when you're getting to, to the to the hoop every single time you decide you want to, because uh, he was just so much more, he just looked so much better, right, than everybody else out there in, in that game. Um, my take on All-NBA is similar to my take on MVP, which is like some of this is going to just come down to, to team, like how your team performs. Uh, so Jalen could play really well in the next couple of, you know, these last couple of games here. And if the team loses a bunch of them and ends up the three seed, he's not going to make all NBA kind of no matter what he does. 
And if they play really well, and even if he doesn't continue to play as well as he has in these last few games and, you know, comes back down to earth a little bit, but they win games and they catch the Bucks and they're the one seed, he's going to make All-NBA because if the number one team in the league is going to get two All-NBA players. So it's a little bit of that. Now, how well he plays obviously has a huge factor into whether or not they're winning or losing. And so you wouldn't expect that he would play really well and that they would lose or that he would play really poorly and that they would win. But it's, a, you know, it's possible in this this small number of games. So similar to how I think like, well, if the Bucks get to 60 wins, 59, no, 60, yes. If they get to 60 wins, Giannis might be MVP just because people are going to say, well, the best player on the 60 win team, the only 60 win team is going to be my MVP. And that would be a big boost. And if it's 59, even if they're the one seed, I kind of don't think he has much of a chance. It's stupid. But a lot of this voting stuff is kind of <laughs> dumb. Uh, that's, and what, so I, that's what voting is generally for NBA. It's just that's where I fall on it right now. It's like if they're the one seed, he'll make it. If they're the three seed, he won't. If they're the two seed where they're sitting now, he has a chance. I don't know what it really is. In the past, I think he's actually been a player who um, has gotten more votes than maybe I would have expected um, for some of these things. Not like a huge number more, but, you know, I thought maybe he would, oh, okay, he'll be 10th and he was 9th and, you know, that kind of voting thing where it's, it's like, oh, okay, come in okay. Um, and that's probably because I'm, I've am i always been a little bit lower on him than, than I think a lot of different people are for different reasons. His game just isn't my favorite type of game to watch. So I, I may undervalue him on, on that and then other people don't and it, it comes in okay. But yeah, I mean, will he make third team may come down to like, Right, it's stupid. Do the Celtics beat the Bucks in this game coming up? And if they do, he'll be all NBA. And if not, he won't be like that. It could be that 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 the uh, the dividing lines are that that faint, uh, which isn't fair. It's not as everybody has said. Like this is not how these giant contracts should be handed out. Um, but it's the way of the world right now, and uh, it would behoove the team to not only chase down the Bucks for the one seed for the reasons that we all know about home court advantage and wanting to win a championship, uh, but additionally it would, you know, maybe open up that, that super max for, for Jalen. Some big and games coming up. While I'm pouring games coming up that so we have, I believe seven regular season games left right now for the Celtics. Yes. So there are 75 games. Bucks have a game in hand. They're at 74. Uh, the schedules for both teams are, I'd say the Celtics is pretty, their tough games are tough. They have to go to Milwaukee this week. Um, they have to go to Philly uh, next week, but beyond that, the rest of their um, any challenging games are home. They, they have Washington on Tuesday, which I don't know. Washington they're is going, like they're just they're just, they're toes. They're they've given up on the season. It seems like at this point. So there really aren't outside of Toronto in the last week and Atlanta, who may or may not be playing for anything on that last day of the regular season. Those uh, there there's not a lot of teams that are going to put up much of a fight against if they'll just keep at this level. And we know they've been playing down in their competition. Plenty, but that has seemed to have um, they've kind of seemed to figure that out here in the last week or two. Um, this Milwaukee game, though, it's it's funny though, right? Like you you look back to the the game they punted in Milwaukee right before the All Star break that they almost won anyway, but they they rested all their starters um, in that one. It's funny now to look at how much of a bearing that could have. If things don't go, if the Celtics say they go six and one here down the stretch, but they lose that game in Milwaukee, that might be enough for them to go away. That, that's not something that they're probably going to harp on, but it's it's cra- kind of crazy that how much that could you know come under the microscope here based on what happens in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, one or two shots at the end of that game that nobody, you know, just that weird game where you can quibble with how they handled it. Um, I think that it was 
I don't know. My opinion on that is that it was probably overplayed a little bit how much they were punting on it, and that they probably did have some legitimate. Help I mean, like Jalen was out. About, like, like there were some yeah, injuries like, there too. Um, and if they had everybody played, maybe the Bucks take the game more seriously, and we don't know how, how it's going to play out. But it it really may come down to like who gets home court advantage in Game Seven of the Conference Finals is like, well, this one shot rimmed out in this weird game where nobody played, and and that's the way it goes. Um, for all that we talk about the regular season not mattering, it doesn't matter until it matters, and you have a game that that makes these again fine margins um show up a lot more i think the bucks are on they're on a back-to-back on, on the game coming up right so that's the sort of trade-off bucks are at home but they're on a back-to-back the celtics are going to be in milwaukee than the before the bucks are basically um and both teams you you think will play everybody they can and 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 go at it with um uh, quite a bit on the line like I said, on maybe not even just in terms of, of who gets home court and things like that. So it's one of the marquee games of the whole season, not just what's left of the season, but um, you know the the rematch of last year and, and all it's setting up for. And you hope that obviously, if they win that game, then they're able to push push on. They they're two back in the loss column and and get that one seed. Uh, they would have the tiebreaker then if, if they get it. And if they don't, I think the gap to the 76ers with the with it's pretty safe already and yeah they still have to play them again but like you're feeling relatively you know i'm a lot better about that now than you than you were two games ago for each team um hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. So, and Philly still has to play Denver tonight. Like yeah, they have a tough they schedule. Have a tough, on. They have to tough play tough. Ro- I mean, they're I think not much even. All their games are against teams that are still at least somewhat interested in playing. Right. Right. Um, yep. Hundred percent. There's not. Uh, their easiest yeah. game left on the schedule is against Dallas at home which yeah, maybe they we know how much they'll, they'll certainly be trying at that point. We don't know whether that will matter or not. Are they? Who knows? Are they <laughs> trying now? That's fair. I'll um, save that for later. So, yeah, I mean, you would hope that it's a one or two seed. Now, the, the East is starting to really feel pretty settled, although the, the Nets and the Heat both, I don't know, not wanting to be the sixth seed for some reason. I don't know. Neither of them can get their act together. Uh, but it is feeling pretty settled at the moment. Um, you know, one and two. Okay, we'll we'll see. Uh, the 76 are now closer the, to the Cavs than they are to the Celtics, amazingly. Um, but you feel I, the 10 feel very settled now that the Pacers and the Wizards have fallen back a little bit and the Bulls are playing better. Uh, so I feel like we have 10 teams in the East and a pretty good idea of who, you know, who's available for the Celtics to, to possibly be playing um, out of, you know, Brooklyn, Miami or Atlanta in, in that coming out of that first round. We think the Raptors, I don't know, maybe not. Maybe it's not super settled on on who the Celtics will be playing in the first round, but um I don't think it's settled at all. I think well, it's completely. Yeah, cr- I, mean, I mean, like beyond the I, obvious, because about the you look at like seed. yeah, but yeah, but even like Ch- Chicago, Toronto, like I think all those teams could sneak up to eight over Atlanta, in theory, and I think either of those teams could, you know, beat Miami. Yeah, I forgot how I forgot just how bad some of these teams really? have looked in some but of these uh, wonky games. Here's a this is a hot take, a developing hot take right now because you just brought this up, Cleveland. I don't think they're out of reach of the three seed right now. No, they're not really. They have six games left. They won four in a row. Here's their closing schedule, Ryan. At Atlanta, home New York, home Indy, at 
at Orlando twice and home against Charlotte. Like they can easily go five and one or six and no there. And you look at Philly's schedule and they could easily go 500 the rest of the way. They have to play Boston. They have to play Milwaukee. They have to play Denver tonight. And then there's no gimmies in there at all. How about that? How if the Celtics, they get the two seed and then they get the Cavs. They don't even have to worry about Philly and round three. I don't know if it's a good or a bad oh, thing in terms good, of that. Man. That might be a worse matchup for them. And to be perfectly honest, based on how those two teams have played this year and how they've played Philly over the years. But that's, I think that's one that's really not on the radar right now, but it looks like to be very much in play. Yeah. The Cavs have, I don't know. There's some of the, some games in that schedule that close and kick for the Cavs that are sort of deceptively not as rollover as, as you might like think. Orlando's playing well. Like, yeah. Orlando twice playing games. well. Charlotte just, beat the Mavs twice in a row and they don't really have any reason to lose because of where their their particular spot in the standings where they're like right. not going to move up or down so they may still be playing hard and their defense has been playing really well in the second half of the year uh so you do get some games in there that you could certainly see them losing they also might choose to rest or something like that but it's very much on the table which is I think something that we did not expect just again a couple of games ago when it looked like it was going to be a fight for the two and three seed and I was really looking at it being like listen I know the 76ers have a harder schedule than the Celtics but the Celtics are not playing well uh and then then you know you get three straight blowouts and it's like okay they get healthier, you get these blowout wins. The 76ers lose a couple of those games that were that we knew were difficult, but until you actually saw them play, and now Harden's injured and Bede's a little bit banged up. So it's a lot of those things are changing. And, and maybe what something that I've been thinking about, we may have talked about it before, I don't remember, is like with 10 games left in the season, everybody starts to say, Oh, you're peaking at the right time, right? These teams that have 10 games left and they're starting to play really well. It's like, oh, okay, they they've got this worked out. And it's like 10 games is still a month away from the games that matter in the playoffs, right? You're a month away from round two. There's so much time in there. We're peaking with 10 games left in the regular season is not peaking at the right time. It's actually like when we say peaking too early, we think about teams peaking at the midseason. It's like, no, any time before the playoffs is too early, <laughs> right? If you're peaking five games before the playoffs, by the time you get to the conference finals, you are well past your peak. Like it's, um, and a lot of that, we're talking about health really, which you just don't have any control over. But like if Harden is injured at the beginning of the playoffs, then and rob williams is healthy things look a lot different for those two teams than when rob was out for the entire middle of the year more than the middle of the year and and harden looked as healthy as he's been in a couple of seasons like it's just such a swing on that and on the timing of when these things happen and if the 76ers don't have harden for the rest of the season like add or not maybe not the rest of the season but if he's hobbled for the rest of the year and and bead misses a game because he's kind of playing through something because harden is out and so they need at least one of them very much on the table that the Cavs could could catch him. Now, the obviously, if you're a Celtics fan, you're thinking about it going, well, if the Celtics could catch the Bucks for the one seed, and in order to do it, they would almost certainly, not almost certainly, they would very likely have to beat the 76ers along the way and push the 76ers down to the four. Like, so, you, know, hmm. you can't help but think like, boy, that would be convenient. Um, and it's a long shot. I'm, I'm not at all expecting that to be what happens here. But you get to seven games left in the year and those things are still on the table. It's, again, a lot better than when you're thinking about like, okay, well, if we fall to the three seed and we have to play the Heat in the first round and then the 76ers without home court and then things start to look really tough. Um, yeah, three blowout wins against, you know, below par, especially with the Kings situation on on their rest and everything in that game, turn just makes things look a lot nicer. Yeah, it really... and. The King, I mean, I know they were playing five and seven nights, but that's still like the Celtics still would have won that game handily. I feel like 
I didn't realize how bad their rest situation was when we, last time we talked, and I was like, that feels like almost a schedule loss at the end of this long road trip for the Celtics. And you, you actually said, well, the Kings are on the on a back to back. And I didn't realize that it was like five of seven. Yeah, it was five and seven. That was like the worst of the worst. It was a brutal schedule for them. I completely get it. Maybe the Celtics would have won anyway. They they played quite well. Um, but you know, you would say that they were not playing the Kings at their peak. So playing the Kings no. at below where they would normally be, two bad teams, you blow them all out, blow out all three of them, and sort of. Semi, and I mean, who cares about twenty-three point blowouts as being the line of demarcation? But in sort of semi-historic terms, for for three huge blowouts in a row, and it's just everything feels a lot, lot better. Well, let's put the Celtics handily at the top of the point differential in the NBA right now, at a uh, plus six point four with uh, just seven games left. But yeah, let's. I mean, let's talk about the team. We we went through the playoff stuff there. Um, I mean, and, and I'll wrap up in terms of. And we'll talk plenty more about potential first round opponents as we get closer there. There's going to be a whole week probably to dissect that when the Celtics are assuming they get the one of the two are just waiting to find out who they're going to face in the first round. Um, but the team itself here, you know, they're playing well. I, I There is also Rob is back. Order is restored in a way, but things have become seemingly a lot more simple right now in terms of especially after the disastrous loss in Utah in terms of squandering the game away late, but Derek White playing more than ever right now. Grant Williams firmly in the rotation. Blake Griffin, Luke Cornett, Mike Muscala out of the rotation. Sam Hauser in if someone gets hurt, but otherwise seems to be on the fringes. Um, And who knows how much it's related, but it's we're kind of seeing what we expect to see in the playoffs and what we expect to see honestly most through most of the second half of the season, but there was uh, a lot of mixing and matching going on that was some due to play, some due to circumstance and injuries. But now I, I don't know. I'm kind of sold Ryan on like, they're going to go in. This is going to be their starting five, at least to start the lineup. You have the Rob Al front line. That's going to play some and will be a potential wild card to pull up as a starting lineup. If you need it, uh, depending on the opponent, but I kind of think that this is what the, they're going to go into the playoffs with. Seems like it. Uh, I don't know when, when we were talking last and I was, we were sort of saying like, okay, well, Missoula's rotations, you got some serious questions about it. Similar to how I was saying you want to be peaking at the right time. That's, I was probably being a little bit of a baby about that with 15 games left being like, you need to settle these things now. And it's like, yeah, okay. 15 games is actually quite a few games. You don't actually have to settle those things until you get closer to the end. It helps with the standings uh, though. It does. But you know, you did have it did take some time to figure out some of these things, and I I do agree that right now and again maybe it's because of the level of competition and these blowout wins, and they'll lose the next three games, and we'll be back. I'll be back to freaking out again. Um, but it does feel like okay, yeah, this is where they're going to go, and that that Derek's play has been so exceptional throughout the year that you really can't take him out of the starting lineup for for Rob, particularly if you're going to be trying to contain his minutes and manage him through all of the injury concerns. Just having him where he is uh, probably works out, and also he really is he. Rob's presence does unlock sort of the ability to play Grant more uh, because he's just kind of duplicative with some of the stuff that Al does well and and um, just works better as a, a partner with Rob, I think. So it does settle a lot of those rotation things. Now, even in this period, they've seen like every game they're missing somebody who's going to be in that rotation. So we haven't maybe seen the exact rotation that you're expecting to get nine men deep in the playoffs, but they have these games left to to work that out and settle into some of those things. And then honestly, the first round of the playoffs, they're going to play more guys than the second round in the second round. If they continue on, they'll play more games than in the third round, right? Like you cut rotation as you go. So it's always a fluid thing and you'll pick up injuries along the way and all that. But 
yeah, it does feel at the moment like what we had probably expected everything to look like to to be where it is. Just the question of is, is it going to be an extra guard or an extra big in the, the starting lineup? And with the depth you have at one position and the lack of depth at the other, it kind of just probably makes sense to go the way that they're going, even if they were so dominant in the other form last year. This isn't last year. Uh, and they have to use the the players that they have and the minutes available they have. So um, I think it it certainly makes sense with the way it, the way it looks like it's shaping up right now. I, we should probably I don't know if we're getting close to the end or but talk about Jalen right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I said on Twitter I think this is maybe his best regular season stretch of his Celtics career since he's come back with the face mask. The, they lost those first couple of games or some of the early games, but other than his literal first game back, um, he's played well and basically all of them. Uh, including two 40-point games now and, and getting them through to a, an easy victory last night, even without Jason. Do you agree with that? Do you feel like this is as good as you've seen him play? Uh, playoffs, he's always been a good playoff performance. He's just a better playoff player than a regular season player. But do you agree that this might be the best he's played in the regular season? I think easily. If you look at, I mean, the number, I mean, 27 points per game kind of speaks for itself, but the efficiency, particularly inside there, he hasn't been a great year shooting from three, but pretty much any other part of his game I feel like it's a career year for him. Um, he's getting to the line more. He's rebounding really well. I feel like the 13 rebounds last night when when Tatum was out, he pretty much decided, okay, like that's I need we need we need that tonight, and I'm willing to do that. Um the you know, he'll still have his tough nights from a turnover standpoint, but the mo- mo- more often than not, that's just gonna be hardly outweighed by what he's doing in other parts of the floor and and defensively, it's this team. I mean, we've talked all about the offense being like up and down and really coming together late, but defensively, they've really locked in now too. And I think you know he's he's shown some gains there as well. It's not he's not the perfect defender by any means. He has his his blind spots, but um, as far as a two way play right now, it is um, this is exactly what you want to see from him going into the playoffs and. I, I can like what would you what maybe like two years ago his other All Star year would be the other competition there for his best season but I, I feel like this is he's doing this doing it more consistently this year oh I think this is definitely his best season I I mean more like that this stretch of 10 games maybe 11 or 12 I don't know how many games oh for like right back. now but it's like right now this career. is the best yeah, yeah. he's played other than the only other t- I went back because I was like I feel like that's true but I went back to look and see I was like is there anything else that I'm like forgetting here and I knew that he had been good in the second half of the bubble he was sort of the only player who was getting there at the end against Miami. Um, and I was like, all right, well, that's the playoff. So give him credit for that. But other than that, like, I do think that this stretch is probably the best that he's, that he's played in like sort of a block of games. Uh, and listen, as I said before, like I have never been the highest on Jalen. There are things about his game that will always bother me. I don't think he's ever going to be the perfect player. Uh, but the sort of, he's not a sloppy player. I always say he's an imprecise player. Right, because he's not a sloppy player. There are players who are just downright sloppy who are not good players, but he's sort of an imprecise player, right? Like the passes aren't exactly in the shooting pocket. His dribble can be a little bit loose. He gets lost on backdoor cuts. All the things that we all know that bother me and will always bother me, and they'll probably always be in his game. But those things have been lessened just enough recently. And the efficiency, again, like you said, particularly on two point shots, has been just so exceptional 58 uh, percent some of these games like it's crazy yeah um that like that sort of balance of like a little bit better on the bad stuff a lot better on the normally good stuff and it's like okay this block of games is kind of 
the the actualization of what you're hoping from Jalen. Jalen, he's never going to be an MVP. He's never going to be first team All NBA. We know that. Um, there's nothing wrong with being the 15th best player in the league in a league with 500 players in it. Uh, and I think right now we're sort of seeing that player, and it probably helps that that Jason hasn't been playing all that well, and that he didn't play at all yesterday, and it empowered Jalen to to go and take care of that. Like even I am at the end of these games saying like maybe we should be going to Jalen and his shot. Right, I was like, that was my next question for you, Ryan. Like, right, like what? Is yeah. he going to get a post game? Is he going to get an end of crunch time touch? An end of game. In the He's next, just, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of these cases where what you're going to end up with is a relatively difficult two point shot. It's like, well, we should probably go to the guy who's making all of the relatively difficult <laughs> two point shots this year, um, and and that's really a testament, I think, to that because there would be no other time where I'd be like, I'm like, Jason's a better player. He should be playing, getting these possessions at the end of the games. But you are, you know, you do have to open up, and it's like for the exact thing you need at the end of those games, for the exact thing you need in difficult playoff matchups where both teams are locked in, like what he's, what Jalen is doing right now is really exactly what you want moving forward with, uh, you know, into the playoffs with him. Cause he just, that game translates really well to the playoffs because that's the kind of shots you're going to get in the playoffs a lot of times. Um, and the physicality steps up and we saw him yesterday, like we said, just running guys over uh, the open court stuff. You expect that to, tail off a little bit just because the games get tighter and but um what he is doing in the half court and, and being able to find his own shot plays really well uh, and so if he can yeah like we said just scale back a little bit on some of the turnovers and things like that then uh, it's such a strong foundation for for playoff basketball 54 percent shooting from 10 to 16 feet this year which is a career high for him by six percent um to your point in terms of the the mid range and the, the the tough shot making. And so, yeah, I mean, I'm with you hundred percent on this, that stretch of games that he's put together since the break has just been, he's been there every night and there's, there haven't, you know, Jason Tatum has been a model of consistency for a lot of his career, but Brown is kind of getting to that level in terms of production wise. Um, like you said, he'll never be the, the first team all NBA guy in all likelihood, but if I don't know, it's like a situation now where I wondered maybe heading into this year, okay, if, if Jalen Brown makes all NBA, you can offer him the Supermax. Like, do you do you want to? You, do you want to offer him the Supermax? Do you want to give him a contract that big? The way he's played this season makes me more comfortable in terms of doing that. Knowing that, yes, he may not, you know, he's probably not gonna be worth that money. Who is? There's only Right, you can count on one or two hands the guys that are, but given where this franchise is and all the other X factors involved here, it, it I you swallow hard and you say, yeah, that you know, it, it's probably going to work out much more than the alternative. Yeah, the sort of secretly, do we actually want him to miss all NBA, but the new CBA to give you a right. Of a boost in, <laughs> and I don't think he would sign. And ultimately, I don't think he would sign it anyway because he would think, oh, I can make all NBA next year. Yeah. Uh, and so you, you would hold up for it anyway. And then you get into all the circumstances around which you just have to trade him and things like that. So in the but yeah, the question of is this a player who you actually want to be paying 35 percent of the salary cap for? Um, and if you go to people who are more analytically driven, they will look at it and say, actually, no, that he's still his game just doesn't quite get there because of some of those negatives that we talked about where he just basically cost possessions. Um, but one, because of how well he fits with the rest of what the team has. Two, with how well I think, again, that game translates into the playoffs. And three, with how he just gets better every year, right? Like, it's not a player who's had, like, a super up-and-down career where you're thinking, like, oh, boy, 
you know, what, what's in the future here, he has a pretty consistent track record of getting better year over year. And that's not going to continue forever as players age. It's impossible. But as you reach the level that he's at playing now, if you say, okay, well, if he can play at this level pretty consistently in the next couple of years, well, that's the nature of the beast. That's how players get paid in, in the NBA. And, and so you, you aren't so, yeah, I agree. You're not looking at it sort of side-eye being like, is this a poison chalice here? Like I'm making all NBA, do we want to pay in this? Uh, what he's shown since in, just since the, the all-star break is what you want to be seeing from a player going into that sort of conversation. And, and I don't know for the team, for him, for everybody, like, I hope he makes it obviously because I, you know, I don't want to see Celtics players have, you don't want to hear a drama, bad things happen and <laughs> drama and all these stuff. Like, yeah, it's just, it's not my money. Like, yeah, pay him and then pay the tax. Let's do it. <laughs> well, the other, I mean, they can offer him, like for an extension, it doesn't have to be all or nothing for like the Supermax, right? Like they can offer him up to it or they have to offer him like all or nothing in terms uh, of like when they go over, it has to, they can offer him like up to that amount as opposed to like all of it, right? I'd have, have to go look what the, lim- what the bottom limits are. I think it's all or nothing. You think it's all or nothing? Yeah, I mean, that would maybe like once he gets remember. the free agency, obviously, like I'll have to look that up. That's something I'll have to dig into in terms of what. It's all or would... nothing. For rookie this, but, scale, for five-year yeah. deals, like for right. your, for the rookie extension, because that's what happened with, I don't remember who it was, Kawhi. No, Kawhi didn't get that deal. Um, I don't remember. Uh, it's yeah. it's all or nothing with the the designated rookie, but I actually don't remember what it is. It's, I guess it's never come up because it's always just like, do you right. give me or not? I'm going to sign it because I'm all NBA, and and maybe that shouldn't be the case with some players who get you then get caught with. But um, I actually don't remember. I'll have to go and look. Yeah, that's that's something we'll dive, we'll dive into. Um going forward here all right let's wrap up on this what's your gut say we'll probably we'll, we'll talk again before the playoffs start obviously but um who do you where do you where do the Celtics land seed wise and who do you think they play in the first round and who is your ideal first round opponent well I guess we'll, we'll put it we'll frame it that way uh I, I would like to say that they're gonna land on the one seed but you'd have to say it's more likely that they land on the two seed um, and if that's the case, then I will say that they're going to play the Raptors because why not? <laughs> why not? I don't trust the Hawks. It's got to be somebody who's in the seven or eight. I assume that Brooklyn's going to come down and Miami will go up. Although, like I said, neither of them was. So I don't know. Let's go for the Raptors yet again in a first round Celtic series. <laughs> Where are you thinking? Against, going up against the guy that got away, Mr. Mr. Pirtle. Um <laughs> Played well. Uh, but, yeah. Yeah, I screw it. I'm saying they get one. I think they do. I think they beat the Bucks. The Bucks drop one of these games, and the Celtics win out or come close to winning out. Maybe go six and one down the stretch, and Milwaukee goes. I guess they'd have to go. Would they have to go five and three here? I guess they would. Um, yeah, because they're still a game and a half up. I don't know. Now I'm now I'm second guessing that. That I just don't. No, see they have it, to but... lose one. One, if the Celtics were to lose another, were to lose one game, then the Bucks would need to lose two, including the Celtics game, because then the Celtics would have the tiebreaker. Right, but they're, they're still a game and a half, game and a half up on the Celtics right now. It's two in the loss, yeah. So it's two in the loss column, but two the in the loss column, the Bucks. Then it's one in the loss column, and the Celtics have the tiebreaker. So then the Bucks have to lose one more. So they have to lose one other one, but then the Celtics yeah. would have to. But then the Celtics also win wouldn't. Yeah. They'd have to win out. Yeah. Like if you're gonna, if the Celtics are gonna lose one more game, then um, the Bucks need to lose. Yeah. Then the Bucks need to lose two in addition to losing. I just can't see the Bucks losing two games 
in addition to losing to the Celtics. That feels like too much, just given how much of a machine they are. So, but I don't know, like the, the, the schedule, like, uh, I guess, yeah, I, I'm taking it back. The Celtics are getting the two seed. I, that, that's just too thin of a um, margin of error for them when you have to go to Milwaukee, when you have to go to Philly. They're playing really well right now, but that's, you know, winning yeah. 10 straight to end of the season. It seems like a lot. If you go into that game, even if you think the Celtics are favorites to win in that in that Milwaukee game, like how much of favorites they and they aren't, they really shouldn't be. It's in Milwaukee. But let's say you think that they're 55, 45 favorites. It's like just getting that 55. Like that's not enough of a margin to then also think that they're going to make up the extra games. Like by the odds, the Celtics are going to be the two seed. Um, it's possible that they will be the one seed. That That's all we're saying. But yeah, I think that it's most likely that they're the two. And then who's going to be the seven is like, I don't know. We should it's... have the top seed should be able to pick their opponents as I am. That's one of my, one of my things procedures. about. Yeah. And then that would be a more interesting conversation. Who would you pick? Um, but it's just going to be kind of a madhouse to get to who's in the seven and eight. And then who wins that game is a coin flip. So who really knows? All right. Well, two seed it is. Uh, I think ideal first round opponent on my end would probably be, I'm going to see Atlanta because that's just one. Oh, yeah. I would that, rather Atlanta or Brooklyn, right? That's who you would rather. Yeah, Atlanta play or Brooklyn than for Toronto. sure is like preferred. Um, and I still think I'm going to go wild card here. I'm going to say Chicago. They're playing, yeah. They're sne- they're, they're playing better. Backup, they just keep playing better, but yeah. they sneak up to the eight seed and they win that that initial playing game. That that's what I'm going. I, I haven't looked closely at their schedule. I see their schedule is kind of tricky down the stretch. But that would be. I think that would given given how tough they've played the Celtics all year long. That would be. Uh, an intriguing first round series as well. Just by choice, I would rather play Atlanta. Like I don't want to play the uh, the Bulls are annoying. The the Raptors, I don't want to, you know, they're gonna play again, hard. annoying. The Nets are just so weird. Um, and it you should any of these teams, they need to beat any of these teams if they're if you're a contender, obviously, no matter who oh, you play yeah. in the first you round. You're not beat. worried about any it's of these. Just teams, I don't no want to deal with watching some the the series would not be as much fun. Playing Atlanta with their way that they play is just like kind of easy breezy. I don't know. It feels like it, it's just less stress. All right, well, we'll have plenty more time to dissect those potential matchups. That'll do it for this edition of the Wing Place Pod, brought to you by FanDuel. Make sure you are following Ryan on Twitter at DangerCart. Rate, review, subscribe to the Winning Plays Pod. Um, and we will catch up with you guys later this week.